0: If you're anything like me, then you probably have moments in your life where you say things that you uh, really shouldn't say. Uh, Sometimes you say things and you mean to say it, like somebody annoys you, and then you're like, and And then after it's like, oh, I shouldn't have said that. But you know, you mean to say it. Or sometimes you just don't think it through. And then you're like, oh, that was a bad thing to say. Now, I more often do the second one. I more often just say things that I just didn't think through. And as I'm saying it, I'm like, come backwards. I should not have said them. And, uh, and, and that's kind of my main issue with saying the wrong thing. I remember one time I was working uh, at a church. I was there as the youth minister, which meant that uh, I was looking after everything at the church uh, to do with um, people in high school. And we were running youth group one day, and these two girls ran up to me. They were both um, like about 14 years old, and they ran up to me. And uh, one of them goes, "Do you think I'm fat?" <laughs> and the other one goes, "Yeah, do you think she's fat?" I'm like, uh, "It's a trap." <laughs> I'm like I, I know this. I know that if if a woman talks to you about weight, you are going to get in trouble. Whatever happens, you're going to get in trouble. You've got to be very, very careful. And I'm like, I was like, uh, my first instinct was just, back away slowly. But then, this thought came to my head, and I was like, oh, hold on. There's an acronym, and, and it's like, it's not F-A-T, it's P-H-A-T, and there's an acronym. I was like, yeah, yeah, that's fine, yeah, I'll do that. I was like, yeah, yeah, you are fat, but not F-A-T. PH-80, which stands for Pretty Hot and Tempting. Oh my goodness! I didn't mean to say that! Ah! I realized, I realized I just called her fat and pretty hot and tempting at the same time, and she's a 14-year-old girl in my youth group. I was like, go away! This is terrible! This is the worst, I should not have done this. It was the worst thing to say. <laughs> sometimes you say the wrong thing. And, and, and sometimes you don't mean to say it. But there are other times you say things and you absolutely mean to say it. And it's totally offensive. And it's exactly the right thing to do. And I'm not that person. I rarely do that. But Jesus does that all the time. Jesus doesn't accidentally call people fat. If Jesus... If Jesus says something which is offensive, He totally meant to say it. You know, the Bible tells us that Jesus is the Word of God. You don't get to be the Word of God and accidentally say words you don't mean to say. So whenever we read in the Bible things that Jesus says, we're like, oh, I don't know if I like that. It wasn't an accident that Jesus says it, and it wasn't an accident that it made it there. And we're going to spend some time looking at some of the things that Jesus says, and there's all these things that Jesus says Whether you like it or not, he meant to say it. So if we are people who say that we love and follow Jesus, or if we are people who say, you know, I don't know about this Jesus guy, I've got to figure him out. If we are people who think we have any respect for Jesus at all, we have to spend some time dealing with these difficult things that Jesus says to try and figure out what we think of it and if we agree with it. And we're going to look at today one of the things that Jesus says, which is a really, really, really offensive thing for Jesus to say. Now, you might not think of it as offensive, but it is, for many people, one of the most offensive things for Jesus to say. So if you looked at the passage that we read in John 14, 1 to 7, Jesus is talking to his disciples, and it is uh, the the night before Jesus uh, is going to be killed. Uh, That night he was going to be arrested and then put on trial, and then he's going to be uh, tortured throughout the day and then executed on the cross. And so, the things that he is saying now, he's saying to his disciples to give them comfort and to give them preparation for what is coming up. And so, he's talking to them about how he's going to be going away, uh, but they don't need to be worried. And he's telling them what's going to happen where is he going? What's he doing when he's gone? And then later on, he talks about how he's going to send the Holy Spirit to be with them. He's talking about all these things. And he's saying that he's going to be with his Father, he's going to prepare a place. Are for his followers, so that they will be able to be with the Father and be with him in eternity. And then Thomas, the disciple, asked, well, you know, how can we go with you, Jesus? If we don't know where you're going, how we don't know the way. And Jesus is like, no, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. And now that is the offensive things that Jesus said. Now, if you've grown up in church, you're probably like, what? That's not offensive. We sing a song about it. I am the way, the truth, and the life. That's what Jesus said. Like, if it's a nice song, it can't be offensive. Like, no, no one sings offensive songs, do they, ever. <laughs> um, but, like, Jesus, Jesus, but Jesus is saying something that's really offensive. Jesus, Because we know, if, if we've paid attention at all to the world around us, that you're not allowed to make exclusive claims. You're not allowed to say there is one way to God. You're not allowed to say that. In our society, we live in what we call a pluralistic society, which means that we allow people to have lots of different beliefs and lots of different ideas. And because of that, we also say uh, in our society that you 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 can find your own way to God. And whatever belief system you have, it's okay, that's fine exclusivity and exclusive claims, they're not allowed. Like, there are some places where exclusive claims are allowed, particularly, say, like, in sport. We're allowed exclusive claims in sport. Like, in football, you'll be allowed to be like, look, my favourite team is the Parramatta Eels. They are the greatest team ever. Nobody plays football better than the Parramatta Eels. I know they've only won two games this season, but that's because they're playing the long game. They're going to come back. They're the greatest team in the world, and if you don't think it, you're wrong. You're completely wrong. they could win at any sport they wanted to. They just choose rugby league. They could win at soccer and they could win at AFL and they could win at curling. They could win at Quidditch. They could win anything because they are the Parramatta Eels or they are the best. Go Queensland, uh, yeah. Queens- <laughs> Queensland? Yeah, well, yeah. Um, <laughs> they, you might go for Queensland or you might go for the Rabbitohs. Yeah. Anyone else want to tell me their team? Panthers, yeah. yeah. See, you've all got teams. No, some of you have teams. Uh, and, and, and you can be like, no, nah! the Panthers are the best. And the Rabbitohs are the best. And you're like, no, nah, AFL's the best. You're allowed to have exclusive claims in sport. But as soon as it comes to religion and faith, you're not allowed to have exclusive claims. If you, if you make exclusive claims there, then you are saying an offensive thing. And now Jesus stands up and says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. No one comes to the Father except through Jesus. You don't get to God except through Jesus. Now that is an offensive thing to say. Because people say, no, 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 but but what about like, like everyone else in the world who doesn't follow Jesus? Like they live good lives. What about the good Muslims? Or the good Jew, or the good atheist, or the good Buddhist, or the good Hindu, or, or, or the good Jedi Knight. What about all those people? If, if they're good people, how can you know, they not make it to God? How, how can you be so uh, exclusive that you say it's only through Jesus? Like, what, what is going on? Well, one thing that's going on there is that we have this assumption that the thing that God wants from us is to be good people. Like that, the most important thing on God's list. What He's looking for is that you're good, and that God needs our goodness. And if we give Him goodness, then He gives us heaven in return. Like that's the, that's the equation. God's like, where are the good people? Great, thank you. In exchange for goodness, I give you heaven. It's as if like you can turn up to God and say, God, oh God, I did some good things. God, you should definitely let me into heaven. But what did you do? It's like, well, I recycled. Yeah, I did. And when I went to Coles, I didn't take their single-use plastic bags. I brought my own Coles bag, God. And I bought it with my... Yeah, see, and God will be like, yeah, he'll be like that. He'll be like, come on into heaven. Yes, welcome. Or you would be like, God, guess what? I, 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 gave, I gave $10 to one of those people on the street that stopped me. They were annoying me. I wanted to punch him, but I gave him $10. And I saved the children. He'll be like, well, oh, come on in. Or, or maybe God would be like, maybe what actually God wants is your prayers because God is lonely and God needs your prayers because it's like, no one's talking to me. Oh, they are. Thank you. That's kind of you. Or, when you, or he needs your songs, that God is there waiting for you to, for you to sing to him because like, look, I've got angels in heaven to sing to me and they've sung for eternity, but it was you. When you sang, you made it perfect. Thank you. Come on into heaven. God doesn't need our good things and He doesn't need our prayers and He doesn't need our singing. He doesn't need us to read His books so that He'll be like, oh, as a reward, you get into heaven. He doesn't need those things. That's not the equation that's going on here. There's got to be something else. And the, the other problem with this whole situation of the goodness is that the way that we think about goodness often is that goodness, the good things that we do, how you can be a good person and get into heaven is because your good things outweigh your bad things. Like if you do a bunch of good things, then it's okay for you to do some bad things because the good things will cover over the bad things. But that's not how it works. It's not like if I'm walking along and then I I drop some rubbish, and then I'm like, well, nine times out of 10, I put my rubbish in the bin, so that one doesn't matter. No, I should put that one in the bin too. I should put all my rubbish in the bin. You know, you you can't do some good things to make up for the bad things you do. Now, let's just imagine that you guys are really good people. In fact, we don't have to imagine, I think you are good people. I look at you, you all look like very good people. And now, imagine that you only do one bad thing a day, which I assume is probably true. Probably just one bad thing. Like you tell one lie, maybe just one. You maybe just say one, you know, rude thing to your brother or sister. You just punch one grandma in the kidneys. Like one, (laughs) one bad thing a day, right? Now, if you only do one bad thing a day, that's not that much, is it? Like in a week, you're only doing seven bad things. God should be fine with that. Seven, that's not much. In a year, it's 365 unless it's a leap year and then you get to watch the Olympics and you do 366 bad things wrong. Which is a bit more, but still not that much. But then imagine that you live for 80 years. And, you know, in those 80 years, you still only do one thing wrong a day. For the first two years, excuse me, the first two years of your life, maybe you're like a, well, maybe you really are under two and, you know, two year olds, they can't do bad things. Everyone under two, they can't. But after two, that's when you start doing bad things. So you've got 78 years to do one bad thing a day. Well then, if you do that, then you only do 28,470 things wrong in your life, which is quite a lot. Like, you're gonna turn up to God and be like, God, you should let me into heaven. He's like, why? i like, I only did 28,470 things wrong. Forget about it. Like, why would he forget about that? Like imagine that your friend was stealing $1 off you a day. And, his, and your friend was like, oh, I just stole $28,470 off you, but forget about it, it's fine. You'd be like, no, that's a reasonably priced car. I could buy a Toyota Corolla for that much or 5,000 Happy Meals, give me the money back. I want that money. Like, you don't just forget about those things. And we want to turn up to God and be like, look, I've been pretty good, God. I've only done one bad thing a day. Just forget about it. How was he going to forget about it? That's a lot of stuff to deal with. And here's even a bigger problem here. Because what the Bible tells us is that when we do the wrong thing, when we do that one bad thing a day, what we're actually doing is not just that one bad thing, but we're actually saying, you know what, God? Your rules are not as important as my rules. The way that you want me to live is not as important as the way I want to live. In fact, God, I don't want you to be in charge. I'm going to be in charge. And God, who is meant to be the king of this world and the king of your life, you're saying to him, no, you can't be king. I will be king. And there's a word that we have for that for when you, you, when you usurp the one who is meant to be uh, in charge. And it's called Treason. When you try and get rid of the rightful king and put someone or something else in place, that's called treason. And throughout history, the payment, the punishment for treason has been death. Throughout the world now today, in many countries, still the punishment is death. And the Bible tells us that the cost of our treason is death because we have said to God, God, I don't care about you. You are not important to me. And it doesn't matter how much how many good things you do. As long as you say to as long as you're rejecting God, it doesn't matter. The punishment the Bible tells us is death. And so we need a solution that's not our goodness. We need a solution that's not us doing good things. And so Jesus comes along and he says this terribly offensive thing, but it turns out that it's the most important thing we need to hear. Because the way to God is not through us. It's not through our goodness. It's not through the the things that we do to make God love us. It's not through those things. It's got to be through something else. And the way to God is through Jesus. He makes a way. He tells us the truth. He provides us the life. The only way to God is through Jesus. And how does he do it? Well, we know that story, probably. We've heard it before, probably. We heard it at least a little bit last night. It's that Jesus is God himself who came to us as a man and gave his life on a cross. That he died the death that we deserve for our treason so that we don't have to die it so that we can be forgiven for our sins and welcomed into God's family. The thing that makes the difference, the thing that makes the way to God for us is not us, but Him. It's it's Him. It's our relationship with Him. Here's the way that if we trust in Him, we can be welcomed into God's family. We can be welcomed into that place that Jesus has prepared for us. Only because of what Jesus has done, not because of us. We are no more impressive than anyone else out there. We are no good, more good or more bad than anyone else. Like There are good things and bad things that we do, but in the end, we've all rejected God, so we need something else. We need our relationship with Jesus. For a long time, uh, and I still do actually, I, I would go to this camp conference thing called Soul Survivor. And uh, I started going in the year 2003, which was a long time ago, and I've been going ever since then, and it's lots of fun. And the, the one that runs here in uh, New South Wales uh, came out of this one that has been running in the UK for uh, quite a long time. And in the UK, this place, Soul Survivor, whereas in Australia there's about like 500 people that go. In the UK, there's like 25,000 people. And sometimes the head of the UK one would come out to Australia and run a, and come and speak. And his we'll call him Mike because that's his name. And Mike would speak <laughs> and I would, uh, you know, sometimes have to do stuff to with him before he would speak uh, at these conference events. So I got to know Mike a bit. And then one day I was in England and I thought, oh, I'm going to go to this event. I'm going to go to Soul Survivor in England. And so I thought, I'll just let someone know that I'm coming. So I sent an email to someone who I knew on team. I was like, yeah, I'm coming along. And I didn't get a reply. I was like, that's fine. I'll just turn up. And they'll find me, and then that'll be great. And then, so I got my stuff together. It was England, and it was in summer, so I needed to camp. I was like, that's okay. I know how to camp. I'm from Australia. We know how to camp. And I got myself a sleeping bag. I got myself a sleeping bag that was rated to 10 degrees Celsius. So I'm like, you know, it gets pretty cold in England in summer, so I'll get my 10 degrees Celsius sleeping bag. It'll be fine. And so I got my 10 degrees Celsius sleeping bag, and I turned up, and it, and it, was, it was a lovely, lovely English... Summer week, which meant it was exactly like this. It was terrible. It was raining and it was cold, and I would sleep in my sleeping bag and I'll be freezing. I was like, and I was like, that's okay because I'm here and I've got friends here. And so I go to the main meeting and I'd be there with like 25,000 other people, and I see right up on the stage, there were my friends. And I'd be like, oh, hello. And they, they didn't respond because I was there with 25,000 other people. They didn't know I was there. And so I was stuck there with all the other people. And when, when it came time to, to hang out with people, I didn't know anyone. So I, I didn't have any friends. I went to buy food and that would be like the only conversations I'd have. They'd be like, what do you have? And I'd be like, oh, I'll have um, a bowl of curry, please. And how are you? How has your day been? My name's Tom, I'm from Australia. How are you? Talk to me, please, I don't have any friends. And then I go to different events with youth workers and stuff and, and I'd be like, oh, I'm Tom from Australia. They're like, oh, you're right, yeah, yeah. And then they'd talk I'd be like, please talk to me. I don't have any friends. I like I literally had like two conversations in three days. It was terrible and it was cold and it was muddy. It was the worst. And I was stuck with everyone else. But then I went to this uh, one seminar which my friend Mike was running and he saw me at the back of the room. He said, What are you doing here? I was like, Oh, I just decided to come along and like, Do you do you, have you been talking to anyone? I was like, no. He's like, do you have any friends here? And I was like, no. He was like, you need to come with me. I was like, really? He was like, yes, come with me. And so then he took me through this, at the end of the seminar, he took me through this door that led out to this back passageway and then we walked through this back passageway and then we walked up some stairs and into some, uh, into some other stairs and then into a room and then he opened the door to this warm room that was full of food and friendly people and the internet. And it was like... <laughs> And he said, Tom, you should hang out here. I was like, yes, I should. He was like, you can spend as much time here as you want. He's like, what are you eating? I was like, I'm just eating from the food trucks. He's like, don't do that, it's disgusting. You need to eat with us. And so he's like, I'll get you a meal pass. And he got me a meal pass. And every day I then sat down with friendly people. I'd be like, I'm Tom from Australia. They're like, tell us more. Tell us about yourself. Like, "Great, <laughs> I have friends. And they were like, and if there's nothing to do, it's like, just come to the, the speaker's lounge, which was the room with the food and the warmth and the internet. And so I'd sit in the speaker's lounge, and there were famous people there. I was reading a book one, one, at one point, sitting in the speaker's lounge. I was warm and happy. And then this man came and sat next to me, and I looked at him, and I was like, it's the guy who wrote the book. I'm hanging out with famous people. This is the best. And the reason why I was there, the only reason why I got there was not because I was better than everyone else there. And I didn't stand out because they looked and I'm like, oh, that guy is good. What a good guy. Come with me. No, the only reason why I got to this wonderful place of warmth and food and internet and famous people is because I had this relationship with Mike. That's the only way I got there. And the only way that we make it into God's family, the only way we make it to this place that Jesus prepared for us, the only way that we get to spend eternity as forgiven children of God is not because we are better people than everyone else, but only because of our relationship with Jesus. Only because God has seen us and said, you need me. And we've said, yes, I need you because you're all I have it's the only way we get there and so when jesus says i am the way the truth and the life no one comes to the father except through me it doesn't matter whether it's offensive or not what matters is is it true and we know it's true because jesus when he came and died for us he also rose again and if someone can beat death then you know he is someone that you can trust and so the question for us is then well how do we respond well, one thing we need to do, if we are people who love and follow Jesus, is we need to stop trying to get God to love us more because of the good things that we do. Because it's not our good things that saved us and it's not our good things that makes God love us. I like to go flying. Flying is pretty fun. And uh, when you go on a plane, I don't know how many of you have been on planes. Some of you probably have, some of you haven't. But what happens is there's this bit where you hop in, you sit down and the plane takes off and the plane's you know flying up and it's going and you feel yourself pushed back in the seat as you, you're, t- you're, you're flying up into the sky. And when you reach cruising altitude at about 10 kilometres in the sky, uh, 10 kilometres up, uh, you're, you're up there and then you kind of feel the, the plane kind of just level out. And as it levels out, because the, end, the plane's not pushing itself in the sky, the engines kind of drop off a bit. And so I'm sitting there in the plane and this is the moment where I hear the engines go, Burr. and then I feel myself kind of you know, not be pushed back in my seat anymore. Like, the power goes off a bit. I'm like, every time, I'm like, the engine stopped. We're gonna die. Every time. And so then I'm like, what do I do when the plane starts to crash? What do I do? And then I'm like, grab the armrests. And I start gripping the armrests. I'm like, when the plane goes down, should I keep my eyes open or closed? Open or closed? I don't know. I was like, probably closed. I don't want to see that. And so then I'm grabbing the armrests as if the plane crashes. It'll be like And then they'll be like, everyone died except for that guy who grabbed the (laughs) armrests. He knows how to survive. The reason why I'm going to survive that plane trip is not because I grab the armrests or not. It's because of how well the, the the pilots fly and how well the engineers have looked after the plane, and it's got everything to do with other people and nothing to do with me. And what we do when we're following Jesus is we're like, well, yeah, look. I love Jesus, and I know that he saved me, but I need to make him save me just a little bit more. So I've got to read my Bible enough so he keeps loving me. And I've got to sing my songs properly so he keeps loving me. And I've got to do good things so he keeps loving me, because if I don't, he'll stop loving me. And that's like the person grabbing the armrests, being like, I can save myself. You can't. You never can. You won't. You're only saved because of Jesus. Stop trying to impress Jesus, and just start being impressed by Jesus. And when you're impressed by Jesus, then you will live a life that is impressive. Because you're saying, I am someone who has seen how good Jesus has been to me, and so I will live a good life in response. And so you sing, and you pray, and you read your Bible, and you love your brother, and your sister, and your enemy, and the poor, and the rich, and you love God, and you do all those things because God loved you first. And you do it only in response to Him. Because Jesus is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. And now you are going to the Father because of him. And so you live in response to that. So if you are a Christian, the way you need to respond to this is just love it. Be like, I am free. I don't have to impress God. I don't have to do the work. I know I am saved because of what Jesus has done for me at the cross. Because he died and rose again for me, I will just live a life in response to him, knowing that God will love me when I'm good and he'll love me when I'm bad because of what Jesus has done for me. I will live a life that is impressed by Him and respond to His love. And if you are someone who doesn't love and follow Jesus, if you're not someone who calls yourself a Christian, then the question for you is how do you expect yourself to be saved by God? Is it your goodness? And is your goodness enough or will you put your trust in the one who is being good enough for you who lived a perfect life who lived and died and rose again so that you don't have to be good enough for god but he was good enough for you he is the way the truth and the life no one comes to the father through him it may be an offensive thing to say but it's the only thing that will save you will you put your trust in him i'm going to pray Father God, we thank you that you sent your son Jesus for us. We thank you that we are saved because of him. I pray that we will put our trust in him, that we will live lives that reflect that it's not us who saves us, it's not our goodness that saves us, but it's Jesus. I pray that you'll help us to live lives in response to that, so we might... Show that we are saved because we are trusting and living for you. Amen.